1: One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.
2: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.
1: Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck.
2: The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new and special edition of Between the Links. Hope you're all having a great week thus far. Today on the program, a little bit of a different show. We're going to give you sort of a peek behind the curtain because we are in the final quarter of 2022, which is a very important time in the world of mixed martial arts. We are about to embark on a pivotal stretch for the year-end awards. We have some big fights on the books that we're all looking forward to. And some that could have some serious impact on these awards. And also, honestly, how much more can we talk about freaking Mark Zuckerberg going to a UFC event? I'm zuckered out, if I'm being honest. There's no UFC this weekend. There's no Bellator, no PFL, no major MMA this weekend. We do have Glory. And we got an interesting announcement that Le'Veon Bell is boxing Uriah Hall on the Jake Paul Anderson Silva card. But we can talk about some of that stuff next week. So I figured let's have a round table see what some of the crew is thinking in regards to where these awards stand right now heading into these pivotal final couple of months of the year so let us introduce the panelists on the show this week first one of the ogs of mma media he's the host of fighter versus writer on mmafighting.com and he is not a fan of my rankings more often than not let us say hello (laughs) to damon martin what's up man
3: just starting right off on the older rankings thing. We're just getting it right off the bat.
2: Absolutely. And also from MMAfighting.com, one of the main co-hosts of the ranking show, the co-host of On to the Next One, the Prince of Positivity, and he's the best friend to not just me, but to us all, Mr. Alexander K. Lee. How are you, my friend?
4: My best friend, I am great. You forgot to mention I'm also the only one who knows what's next for Patty Pimblett in the UFC. The only man who will be correctly predicting his next matchup.
2: I can't wait till he has the next fight book so I can move on from this whole entire conversation, but
4: (laughs) we're going to get into
2: this. We're going to get into this all momentarily, but a couple of things off the bat. One, I did ask Jed Mishu if he wanted to be a part of this and he is sticking to his retirement. He is no, he's not Kevin Holland in this situation. He's sticking to his retirement. And the second thing, the MMA fighting, year-end awards have these specific categories. At least this is what we did last year. The male and female fighters of the year, the fight of the year, the submission of the year, knockout of the year, and the rookie of the year. So we're going to go through all of these, see what we're all thinking as of now in terms of who is in the lead, how things can change, if there's some potentially controversial picks in the mix. And then we're just going to try to hash things out here. So I want to start... With the knockout of the year gentlemen if we could because this award and the submission of the year you can't really predict the future of these and we really i mean we we just really can't honestly so if we could at least list off the potential nominees as of right now we can have who is in the lead etc so damon let's start with you i feel like there's three options here two of which i feel are going to be vying for the spot overall and it's probably going to take something truly spectacular to add another one to this list but if you had to vote today for the knockout of the year, what is it?
3: It's actually a tougher question to answer because when I look at knockout of the year and I do this with submission of the year as well, it's not just the the greatness of the finish. It's also the magnitude. And I'm sorry to say that to me, it always comes down to like how good the fight is in terms of like ranking, in terms of the the level of talent involved in the knockout or the submission because we've seen some crazy submissions, some crazy knockouts on the regional level, which, you know, they're great, but unfortunately they don't have the same kind of impact. So for me, it comes down to two knockouts. It comes down to Michael Chandler and Tony Ferguson. And it comes down to Leon Edwards and, and Kamaru Usman. And I actually put Michael Chandler's knockout over Tony Ferguson at the top of the list. Listen, I know Tony Ferguson isn't the same dude that he was a few years ago when he was going to fight Khabib and he was the number two lightweight in the world but he's still a really good fighter and a guy that's never been ethered like that before. And for Michael Chandler to go out and front kick him into oblivion, the photo we all know, we've all seen, this, the, the horrified photo and the results of that fight, just the impact of that knockout to me just, just tops the list. It's hard for me to, even as great as Leon Edwards' knockout was, and it, it was incredible, just the the impact of of watching Michael Chandler's full. Foot go into Tony, Ferguson, Tony Ferguson's face, then hitting the canvas. It was just an incredible knockout. And to me, it's going to take something really, really, really crazy to top that for 2022.
2: AK, what's at the top of your list right now? Because I feel like we're all going to be in the same boat here. It's either going to be Leon Edwards or Michael Chandler at this point. So, where are you at with this? Or maybe you have something completely different.
4: No, no. When we did our, our mid-season uh, awards a few months ago, a uh, one month early, uh, this was my fault. Uh, I had, I, I think, our headline. Oh, here's our headline. I read it right here. Will anything top Michael Chandler's insane front kick knockout? And uh, the answer is yes, definitely. I, 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 I did change my pick. I know Damon said he's sticking with the uh, the Chandler kick, which I mean, aesthetically is just. Outstanding, unforgettable uh but but i mean the leon edwards head kick of uzman i think it's just a notch below that very aesthetically pleasing uh knockout you got the clinging connection the, the audio the auditory uh sensation the way that kamaru fell the way it was it was a no doubter he was out of there um it just checks off so many so many boxes well not just the visual but it's a ufc title fight it's it's leon edwards on uh, you know both fighters on this huge win streak leon edwards a long-awaited title shot maybe people weren't like super hyped about it but they know he deserved it and it felt like he had been passed over um uh for you know another shot at, at, at fighting kamaru he was definitely behind on the cards he was down three rounds to one so uh the important the necessity of it is a huge point in his favor and then we'll see the historical i mean we'll see how history looks back on it but boy i mean again beating a guy who was 15 and 0 untouchable pound for pound number one in our rankings not consensus but was number one uh, pound for pound fighter oh maybe i'm sorry volkanovsky i think had taken the spot but was still in the top three and uzman had held the number one spot for the majority of uh the time that we've been doing the MMA fighting pound for pound ranking so there's just all these little things that add up and um we'll see how our rematch goes i'm sure they'll fight again someday uh, third time to say a trilogy bout. But uh, for now, boy, what a moment in time for Leon Edwards. What a, I don't want to say Hail Mary, because uh, people keep saying it's lucky. It wasn't lucky, but just a perfect strike at the perfect time. And uh, uh, given the stakes, I, I have to put that as the best knockout so far heading into the last uh, last few months of the year here.
2: Yeah, it's always the conversation. I feel like this is going to come up again, where it's you weigh the finish itself against the stakes that are involved in it. And I think Chandler's knockout was the best actual finish taking the stakes out of it. Like, if all fights were treated the same, there were no titles, I think Chandler wins this award. And I think Molly McCann is probably second to Leon Edwards, and Leon Edwards is probably third. But I just don't know if this outweighs the circumstances behind Leon's knockout of Kamaru Usman. Less than a minute, not only of the necessity of winning the fight and staying in there, But that was probably his only chance ever to fight for the UFC welterweight title. So with that said, it's Edwards for me right now just because of the stakes involved in it. But, I mean, listen, if you want to throw – if you think Michael Chandler's front kick KO of Tony Ferguson is number one, I ain't going to argue with you. Are there any other uh, options that you guys are thinking about?
3: The Molly McCann one, I will say that was, that was the the Molly McCann one was pretty incredible. I will, I will give a, will give a heads up for that. That was an incredible knockout. Um, and both of them, by the way, she had two of them, which is kind of crazy in the same year. It's almost like you want to give her credit for two knockouts in one year. Um, so that was pretty spectacular. And I love, I love a good spinning elbow, spinning back kick. I love a good spinning knockout, you know, as, uh, as, uh, as, uh, Nick Diaz once famously said to Carlos Condit, we're throwing spin and bleep now. I don't know if we can curse on the show, so I don't want to curse, but yeah, we're, th- we're throwing spin and bleep now. So yeah, I-, I love the spinning knockouts, but I think Molly McCann's probably against third, in my opinion, like the third runner up in this one.
4: Yeah, Molly okay. McCann. Yeah, Molly McCann definitely in there. She was the fronter. That was before the Chandler uh, knockout, right? Yeah, I think the first right? that was yeah. March. I remember when that happened, and we were like, we were like, oh, the last knockout of the year. I mean, it was the first first spinning uh, back attack knockout by a female fighter, so it was history making. It happened in London, which was just the first London card of this year. So again, the atmosphere was just incredible. Like it amplified the moment like so much. So that was up there. Uh, I listed some other honorable mentions: uh, Zhang Wei Li. Also had a spinning knockout, amazing spinning knockout of uh Joanna Yachechek. Um, I don't know if that was kind of a downer for some people to see Joanna go out like that. So maybe that's why um it isn't quite getting the attention that Molly's did, or also because it came after Molly's, but that was huge. I mean, that knockout was insane. Uh Koreshkov annihilating chance encounters, speaking of spinning stuff just annihilating Chancer encounters insides with that spin kick um that's a good if one. anyone's yeah and there was a follow-up post after from chan, uh, from chan saying like here's what happened to my rib cage like my rib cage like no longer exists so you know thank you for that uh thank you for that something like that he didn't say that but boy it was bad and then uh, a couple more uh, goiti Yamuchi also in bellator uh, one of my favorites, just him becoming the Terminator all of a sudden on the feet and taking out Neiman Gracie. I don't know what the hell that was. Like it was, it was hilarious and so fun to watch. And just uppercutting Neiman Gracie into another dimension, and then uh, DJ. Like any yeah. other year, I feel like the DJ revenge knee would have been number one like clearly and now it's like maybe third at best again behind the two front kicks and maybe even behind molly mccann but like the it looked amazing the poetry of it the symmetry it was just so cool and it was a huge like a huge event for one like it really it really capped off uh, a big event so um and and put him back in our pound for pound back atop the quote unquote flyweight rankings that's a whole other discussion we don't need to get into now so yeah a lot of historical value there and it looked amazing so uh, it, it's crazy i almost want to say that's like my favorite knockout of the year, but I can't put it above Edwards or, uh, or Chandler.
3: And DJ yeah, did DJ's, it against the lightweight. Yeah. He did it against the lightweight. <laughs> and the guy's <laughs> so much bigger. Yeah. <laughs> it's huge. Yeah. D-
2: DJ's definitely going to be my list. Uh, we talk about that London card in March. Iliot's Aporia had a, was probably the front runner for knockout of the year before Molly McCann got hers because he deaded Jai Herbert. It was nasty. Uh, I, and Tai Vasa is someone I'd like to honorably yes. mention as well the finish of Derek Lewis. So let's go to the submission of the year and we can go the stakes route here again. We can go with the uniqueness of the submission. This is always kind of a, a toss up here. We can weigh prelim submissions versus main event submissions. There's a bunch of different ways we can go with this. So AK, we'll, we'll start with you. What do you have right now? Because again, we have stakes versus taste here and there's a number of avenues we could travel. What's your go-to right now?
4: Yeah, I am sticking with my mid-season choice here. I'm going to go, or mid-year choice to say, I'm, <clears throat> it was Jessica Andrade uh, from the April 23rd Apex event, her uh, standing arm triangle choke of Amanda Lemos. It was just so vicious, such a reminder of how Jessica Andrade is one of the like best pound-for-pound female fighters of all time. I, I, and, and not to speak of her in past tense again she's in the middle of a pound for pound great career uh straw weight flyweight it doesn't matter she just finishes people um Lamos is a pretty highly rated up-and-coming contender you know i know i know she was certainly behind andrage in the rankings and the underdog going to this fight but the way that andrage just overpowered her and and just slapped on that arm triangle standing against the fence nowhere to go um just the still images from it are like so disturbing and so powerful. So I'm sticking with that. Um, yeah, there are definitely some other choices, uh, fights with bigger stakes. But that to me was like my favorite. And I'm, I'm going with uh, Batashtaka for now.
2: I'm going with stakes here. I have to go with Yuri Prohashka right now. Because like Leon Edwards, Yuri was about to lose his title fight. to Glover to Share at UFC 275. He was a minute away from losing the fight. And then he goes out and submits Glover Teixeira, winning in a way that nobody ever thought he could. And obviously, Andrade is up there with the standing arm triangle. I think Oliver Encamp's buggy choke is something that should probably be looked at. I actually I, I watched a lot of submissions over the last 24 hours. I liked Vanessa Dimopoulos' submission over Silvania Gomez-Horres because she got freaking cracked in that fight. Overcame it, got the sub. Obviously, jumping into Joe Rogan's arms is a big deal, and uh, Said Nurmagomedov just stunning Cody Stamen real quick, and that was in January, at UFC 270. The list goes on, but Damon, I don't know—at least to me—if anything beats Yuri Prahashka with everything else involved. What do you think?
3: It's a weird one because if you said biggest submission of the year. I would say Yuri Prokhorshka gets it because there's no bigger submission than doing what he did to a you know, high-level grappler like Glover Teixeira. But Again, this is one where I'm kind of torn, kind of like the Michael Chandler Leon Edwards thing. The bigger submission was the the Yuri Prokhorov. The better submission, in my opinion, was the Jessica Gondaraj against Amanda Limos, and that's why it's topping my list. To standing, we've only seen it one other time at this level, and that was when Jessica I did it to Zoila Frosto back in Bellator like ten years ago. The standing arm triangle choke. It's such a weird, random choke, and and so hard to get standing. I mean, it's just a ridiculous move to get. And again. Jessica Andrade against Amanda Limos isn't a a low-level fight. It's a really high-level fight between two two top fighters, and to go out there and do what she did was so incredible. So she topped for me. I have no problem if it's Yuri Prohoshka. Like I said, that's the bigger submission. That's the one with more meaning behind it because he tapped out an incredible grappler. He did it in a title fight. He did it in the moment he was losing and he went out there and got the submission. So that was huge. Um, also want to shout out Renier de Ritter over in one championship, pulling off the weird yep. inverted triangle choke to get his submission win. That was a big one. And then the, that, that weird, that weird guillotine ish kind of choke. We just saw in Bellator like recently, like again, incredible submission. I just think when you're talking about like the prelim submission versus the, the, the main card main event kind of submissions, again, it's harder to, it's harder to, put that in the same context when you're talking about you know, Glover to share your Perhoshka, Amanda, you know, uh, uh, excuse me, Jessica Andrade, things like that. So incredible submission, but I got it. I still go with Jessica Andrade number one, but but I think Yuri is a good second pick and I love the Renier DeRitter one. I thought that inverted triangle was sick.
2: Yeah, that's a great one. I want to shout out Tommy Aspinall as well. That was just, I mean, it, it's, it's a submission we see all the time, but just the moment behind it, was very memorable in that main event in March at UFC London. But AK, any others that that stand out to you?
4: Yeah, I'll toss out another inverted triangle. Uh, Lazy King, Abdul Abduragimov, probably one of the best guys who isn't signed to a major North American promotion right now. Um, he did it at Aries FC 3 earlier this year. It looked it looked probably just as good as, as Reiner DeRitter's. Um, again, a little bit of a lower, you know, not not as well-known show, but you know, Aries FC is doing some good stuff. He also did it against... Uh, ufc veteran Godofredo pepe who had never been submitted before so this was really big it was actually pretty big when it happened um so i'll go with that i, I thought that deserves mention and again if you guys haven't seen lazy king he's got a ton of highlight reel submissions definitely look him up uh claudio places uh kneebar of clay guida that was sensational just amazing and then uh one more for the from sort of the strange pile um luca poklit uh, who did you submit? Um, Dante Shiro, Shiro at Bellator 285 uh, just last month. Uh, that was I'd never seen a choke done like that before. That was awesome, and uh, good for him. For I think that was his, his Bellator debut and making quite a uh, quite an impact. So that was that was a cool one.
2: Yeah, that was the what the hell did I just see submission of the (laughs) year, no doubt about it.
1: Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last.
2: And in most people's eyes, this is a two-horse race. And to me, it's a three-horse race, maybe even a four. But I'll I'll start with this one. And look, this is one of those things in regards to how you view this category. Do you favor chaos? Do you go against AK and favor the mixing of the martial arts? Do you favor stakes? Do you favor one round against three, four, or five rounds? A lot to dissect and think of. And for me... Honorable mentions, Charles Oliveira versus Justin Gaethje was incredible. It was an unbelievable fight for those three minutes and change. That's going to make my list. My favorite fight of the year is Armand Sarukyan versus Batush Gamrod. I have watched that fight more than any other fight, but it's not in the top two because it's going to come down to these two fights. It's going to come down to Hamza Shamaya versus Gilbert Burns and Yuri Prohashko versus Glover Teixeira. And for me, it is the latter because I just... I've never seen a fight just have so many swings, so many momentum changes, so many emotional roller coaster moments, and just so much insanity for the entirety of the fight like that. Especially in one that no one thought was going to get out of the first or second round. This thing gets to the final minute, and we get Yuri Prohashka just locking on the sub at the very end. And to me, I, I'm I'm going to give Yuri as much of a rub as possible because I felt like he got hosed out of two awards last year but I just don't see anything beating this in my eyes, but I'm willing to listen to arguments for some of the other selections. So Damon, what say you, what's on your list? What's your number one?
3: Boy, I tell you what, you know, what I really thought about it, this is a lot more difficult question than I thought it would be. To be honest, like, I was like, Oh yeah, I know it's going to be Gilbert Burns and Hamza Chamaia. That was my favorite fight of the year. But then I started looking back. I'm like, Oh yeah, that one. And Oh yeah, that one. And, devison figueredo brandon moreno three we forgot kind of forget about that because that was in january but that was an incredible fight and of course yuri peroshka and glover to is right there uh the david onama nate Landwehr fight was ridiculous uh, i loved the surreal gone and tied to Ivasa. that one just going back and forth kind of wild craziness of course charles Oliveira, justin gaethje was wild even though it lasted less than a round, but it was an incredible fight for as long as it did last but For me, it comes down to Gilbert Burns and Hamza Chemaev just because that was such an incredible war for three rounds. Those guys took – I mean, listen, that's one of those fights kind of like Robbie Lawler and Carlos Condit where it's over you're like, they both lost a piece of their soul in that fight. Like they just took something out of each other that they'll never get back. And, you know, that was one of those fights. Like my biggest regret of that fight is it wasn't five rounds. You know, if it was five rounds, I don't know if either guy would have survived. We might have seen a finish. But I think, you know, five rounds of that would have been insane. So to me, that's number one. Uh, again, I don't have a problem whatsoever with Yuri Prohoshka and Glover Teixeira being the other one. It's a title fight. Obviously, a little higher stakes. But I just think about, you know, Hamza Chamayev, the hype. He was a massive favorite. against a, a, a top, legit top three welterweight. Like people were just looking past Gilbert Burns like he was some bum. And then Gilbert Burns goes in there and was basically a minute away from beating Hamzat. I mean, you talk about that third round, it was so close. And it was just a couple of exchanges difference between Gilbert Burns winning and losing. And then going out there and doing what he did to Hamzat Chamae, who we just saw what he did to, you know, Kevin Holland, what he's done to everybody else, but Gilbert Burns. It's just, it was, that fight was so ridiculous. And that's the one I've rewatched the most this year. So that's why I put it at the top of the list.
2: Yeah. I, I don't have any issue with that.
4: AK, what you got? I picked Chaos i had to go with cast i love god i love that forhashka to share a fight i mean that is just the best dumbest mma championship fight i've seen in so long fundamentally maybe not you know maybe both men have fought better fights all right let's be honest was was this either guy's best fight i don't know i don't know we've both seen them have better finishes we've both seen them in more technical you know well well constructed well executed battles Man, you want to talk about guys just reaching down deep and just, just fighting on instinct, man. Just like throwing stuff out there again, making moves and 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 maneuvers they maybe they shouldn't have done, but what a roller coaster! I just cannot remember the last five round fight where I was so up and down. And I like both guys, so like I was was certainly rooting for Tashera. I'd picked, uh, I've been saying Tashera was going to submit Prohaska for months, you know, since before the matchup was even made. And there was times where it looked like it was going to happen. And I thought it was gonna be a genius. And then Prochaska would just either, somehow the position would change. And then Prochaska ended up submitting him, which was complete pandemonium, just bizarre. And I don't know if either man will ever be the same. So I, that's for me is my number one choice. Uh, Shamaya Burns, number two. And then sneaking in there, uh, I loved the Figueiredo Moreno um, trilogy bout. It yeah. happened at the beginning of the year. Um, I, so I do feel like a lot of people are maybe gonna forget it when year end comes around. That fight is kind of the opposite for Hachka Teixeira just technical and athletic and tactical brilliance just both the the two clearly the two best flyweights in the world at their best again this is why we want to see it a fourth time I could watch these guys fight 10 times they are the two best there's a lot of great flyweights out there and, and of course other guys should get their shot but if you want to run this back once a year I would have no problem with it. I want Moreno and Figueredo to fight forever. It is their matchup. They're just so, so much fun. So perfectly matched in there. So um, that was was my third. And an actually very close second. I actually almost like that more than Shamaya Burns. And uh, a little, a big honorable mention to Chris Barnett and Jake Collier, UFC uh, 279. What a dumb fight. You know when to talk about dumb fights. <laughs> <laughs> I, was just, I don't know. I, st- I still don't know what the hell happened there, but I just know that it was, it was a great time.
2: Yeah, uh, I will. I I add Nate Landwehr, David Onama to that list as well. That fight was absolutely ridiculous. I don't even know what I watched that that card at UFC San Diego, but that was incredible. So, Damien, let me ask you this. It's going to be very hard to top those two fights. And if we're going to try to predict the future here, there's one that definitely sticks out. Well, Michael Chandler shows up at Madison Square Garden. In a UFC octagon, it's usually in something that could produce some sort of chaos. We saw it last year against Justin Gaethje. And then anytime Michael Chandler fights in the UFC, some sort of chaos can happen. So I feel like that's the front runner in a lot of people's eyes, that if any fight on the calendar that's booked right now can get up to any of those spots, it's that one. But is there anything else in the books right now that you're like, ooh, this one, if it goes the way I think it will, might actually have a chance to to get up there with... Burn Shemayev, and Tashira Perhashka.
3: Let me throw out one other contender that I think could kind of sneak under the radar. Listen, I actually think Olivera Makachev is going to be really interesting. I think that could be a really, really interesting fight, the way that the, to, the way that uh, Olivera approaches his fights. And, and I know that Makachev is not known for being in really exciting fights, but I think that's a really interesting one. But the one I'm going to throw out as a caveat, Benil Dariush against Matush Gamrod. We just saw what Gamrod did in that crazy fight with Armand Saruki, and that was an incredible fight, an incredible display of real mixed martial arts. But Neil Dariush doesn't get nearly the respect he deserves for the run he's on and the exciting fights he's put on during that run, the knockouts, the crazy finishes, the dominance he had over Tony Ferguson. You know, he's kind of fallen out of the wayside because he's been injured and fell out of the Makachev fight, and he's been gone for basically a year now. But I think that Darius Gamrot fight is going to, I think it's going to open a lot of eyes for the winner of that fight. You know, I think that's going to be a really crazy one. Gamrod's an incredible wrestler, a grinder really exciting guy, you know, Beniro Dariush has huge knockout power, world-class jujitsu. I think that's one that could kind of slip under the radar and steal a few eyes away from uh, from some of these other fights, potentially. And again, obviously, you know, Poirier Chandler is pretty much guaranteed fireworks until one of those guys falls over. But yeah, I think Gamrot Darush is one that's kind of slipping under the radar.
2: AK, what do you think? Is there anything out there that you think could be a contender here?
4: I mean, while we're on 280, like, I think 280 just looks absolutely beautiful please MMA gods keep this card as it is it's fantastic um because I think Jan versus O'Malley could actually be really good Uh, I'm not sure what people are expecting there if they're expecting Jan to run through O'Malley or if you're an O'Malley fan like maybe he wins by like a surprising knockout um but I actually think they'll bring the best out of each other I think we will get a good if not five rounds I think it'll go past three and then maybe some you know maybe classic Jan he'll pull away in the fourth or 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 O'Malley again O'Malley surprises us and, and knocks him out but I think they'll bring out the best in each other I think it'll be a good tactical battle with some nice wild fun moments so that that I have my eye on uh, and I'm glad you mentioned um, I'm glad that Makachev and and uh, Olivera was mentioned because yeah I don't know if it'll be this like barn burner but it's so intriguing on paper and also I should have mentioned this earlier I think because I was kind of you know I'd stuck with the Jessica Andrade for submission of the year I'm telling you when Oliveira submits Makachev, that will be wow. the news of the year. That will be the news of the year. I love it.
2: <laughs> I love it. That's why. That's why you were on this show, AK, to, to just produce hot takes. Jed can't be here. He's retired now. So you're you're bringing out the hot take guns, and and I appreciate that very much. Let's go to the rookie of the year category because I think this is kind of interesting. So I, I don't know if we're going to have internal discussion about this. I know there was talks about maybe changing this to Breakthrough Fighter of the Year, but we introduced the Rookie of the Year Award. I don't know if last year was the first year that we did it. I think it might have been. And Casey O'Neill won that. I Basically, the way that we defined it was they had to debut in a major promotion that year from the regional scene or not from another major promotion. So a guy coming from Bellator to the UFC or vice versa doesn't really count. So to me, Damon, I'll start with you here. There's a clear front runner, but maybe not the way, you know, you want to define this award. So who do you have leading the way right now for this rookie of the year category?
3: I feel like the answer that everyone is going to most commonly give, and you're probably right is gelatin Almeida. I mean, that guy is a monster and what he's done in a couple of fights in the UFC has looked incredible. He's got another one coming up and I think he's going to, you know, that could pretty much cement him as the guy Um, so that's probably the right answer. Jalton Almeida is off the charts and I think he's a contender right now. Like he's a, he's a legit contender in his division after a couple fights at the UFC, but I'm going to go in another direction just to give another option because I do think Jalton Almeida is probably the answer, but I'm actually going to go for Jack Della Maddalena coming out two fights this year, two knockouts this year, two vicious knockouts this year, coming off the contender series. Out of Australia, I've followed his career for a while now, and I really like this kid, and I think he's in a tougher division in terms of overall talent at welterweights. Now, you can argue he hasn't fought better talent yet, and that's true because, again, he's not got to those top 15 guys yet. But his he kind of reminds me a couple of years ago when Jeff Neal came in and just started rocking people and just kind of surprising people with how good he was. I think Jack Della Maddalena has that kind of talent, and he is in a better division. Listen, I know Jonathan Almeida is a light heavyweight and heavyweight they're not nearly as deep as welterweight welterweight to me is you know right there with bantamweight and lightweight is the you know deepest and toughest division in the sport so i'm going with jack i listen i it's probably not the right answer i think jilton almeida is probably the right answer and when it's all said and done that's probably the guy who will even get my vote because he's incredible and he's a contender and he's a legit threat to become a champion one day but i just want to throw out a caveat i want to throw a little little wrinkle in the in the plan here and say jack della maddalena will get my vote right now just based on his two performances they've both been incredible incredible knockouts uh and again I think it's just in a better division overall but again Almeida's probably the guy but Jack Della is my guy
2: I have a 1B in a caveat as well and but before you get that AK who do you have right now is it Almeida is it Della Madalena or are we thinking somewhere Oh well, we had we had
4: different? very uh I think we had very different uh, perspectives on what was the note like for me the no doubt when we, we were talking about this a little bit before the show and i thought everyone was gonna say this same thing um this kind of shows how like our interpretation of rookie slash breakthrough slash what have you it keeps we're not on the same page we've never been on the same page we don't know <laughs> so i mean i thought the obvious choice was bo nickel I mean, I, I, I don't know if we're not counting it because he's on a contender series. Technically, he hasn't, you know, debuted with the UFC. But, like, it just seemed like he seems like such an easy choice. Uh, he's also a true rookie. I mean, if we want to go, he he made his professional debut this year. He fought a couple of times amateur uh, last year, super dominant. But he's the most one of – he's gone from, again, um, obviously being a very famous uh, collegiate wrestler to now being one of the most talked about names in all of MMA Um, people can say like, oh, you know what, whatever we've given him a lot of pub, but that's because people are interested. The guy talks, the guy performs. Again, like we said, the guy has an existing fan base from his extraordinary uh, amateur wrestling career. He, he really looks like he is going to be, he's going to fight for a title within the first like year of his career, which sounds completely insane. I just just say 18 months. If we're going back to his pro debut when the first 18 months, he's somehow it feels like he's going to end up in a title fight. And, and when it happens, I don't know if any of us are going to be that surprised. So, yeah, just based on his sheer dominance, how much we're talking about him. Yes, technically, he has not made his debut, but I think he'll be an even stronger candidate by the end of the year uh, when he fights at UFC 282. And apologies to Jamie Pickett. Probably runs to Jamie Pickett in a round, as he did has uh, all his other opponents. So, um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be Bo Nickel for me.
2: It's Jaelton I made it for me right now. He's got another fight coming up in 16 days against Shamil Durahimov. He's in the lead right now, but inching close behind him is a man who's also fighting on that card. His name is Mohammed Mahayef. That dude is just a monster. I think everyone knows how highly I, I regard him. I've come out publicly and said, I believe he's not only going to be the flyweight champion, but if he keeps on going and keeps on fighting, he will win two titles in two different divisions. I think he's looked impressive. The finish against Cody Durden was ridiculous. The second fight, a lot of people weren't thrilled about, but I think that was even scarier than the first one because he just wrestled and wrestled and wrestled. He had about 879 takedowns. It's going to be so hard to beat this guy. So he's in the mix. Della Madeleine is in the mix. It's hard to leave Joe Pifer out of this conversation because he is getting pushed real hard. They basically built the whole contender series season early on behind him and then they gave him a favorable matchup. But Bo Nickel is the, is the interesting point here, Damon. I want to get your thought on this because like AK said, nobody has made more of an impact in this type of category than he has. But by definition, he hasn't had an official UFC fight yet may have been under contract, but DWCS is its own thing. It's not UFC. Now he will fight December 10th against Jamie Pickett. If he does what many believe he will do December 10th, does he win this award?
3: I mean, I think it's hard to argue against that. Let me say Bo Nickel, in my opinion, is the best prospect coming out of wrestling, coming into MMA we've seen, in my opinion, since Daniel Cormier did all those years ago. Uh, I think, you know, I'm the wrestling guy. I follow Bo Nickel at, at Penn State. He's a monster. He was a constant pain in the side of my Ohio State Buckeyes uh, Miles Martin was the one guy who beat him early on but then he beat Miles Martin many times after that. Um yeah, Bo nickel listen. And here's why here I I totally agree with what AK's saying. Here's my my complaint and my problem. It's not the pick, it's this. He should have already made his UFC freaking debut. He should not have had that second contender series fight. That was a bunch of junk. He had to do the second contender series fight to prove himself. Come on now. That was ridiculous. You're telling me you couldn't have come in and done that against a UFC fighter and had a bigger impact. And now going into a second fight in December in the UFC. And that it is a clear cut answer for Bro Nickel. It's ridiculous. He should not have fought that second contender series fight. It was a joke. Uh, that was an utter, utter joke to make him do that. You knew you were gonna sign him. You knew he was gonna come in and do what he did. To make him go through that instead of putting him in the UFC right away was ridiculous. So yeah, Bo Nichols, probably the right answer in terms of talent, in terms of prospect, because I think that guy's gonna be a champion uh sooner rather than later. One hundred percent. What without a doubt, I believe that. Uh my biggest issue is like I said, he didn't actually have the UFC fight yet. So yeah, that's the problem. And also, I do want to say, I didn't forget about Muhammad Makaev. I think Makaev is an incredible prospect. And I think he's also got to be in that running if he gets his win over Malcolm Gordon, which is a, a tough fight. I think he wins yeah. that fight, but it's a tough fight. Malcolm Gordon's no joke. So Makaev's got to be in that conversation as well. But yeah, Bo Nichols should be looking at 2-0 in the UFC by the end of the year, not 1-0. Yeah, he's going to he's gonna
2: be the name. Like, if anyone's going to upend any of those other guys in our voting, it's going to be Bo if he beats Jamie Pickett and a lot of people feel like he's going to do just that, uh, just to add a little bit of spice to this at a, at a female into the, the conversation, if Yasmin, Yurigi beats Estella Nunez, December 3rd, she might be like the number five. She's, she might end up with a couple of votes. Um, okay.
4: support for this podcast comes from smart water. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smart Water Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smart Water Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.
2: And that leads us to the Female Fighter of the air, And this one is... Really interesting because Valentina Shevchenko had a title defense. She won a very close decision, a decision a lot of people thought she lost. Amanda Nunes had one title defense against Juliana Pena. She looked great doing it, and neither will fight again in 2022, it appears. And who knows? There could be someone that comes through later in the year. I don't know. But we have Liz Carmouche. She's the Bellator Flyweight Champion. She beat Juliana Velasquez. They'll run it back in December. I believe that's that's when that one's happening. But that was kind of contentious because of the stoppage. But, AK, I'm going to start with you, and I'm going to start with this question. And this person I'm bringing up has a fight coming up in November. But is Molly McCann the female fighter of the year right now? Two wins, two finishes. She's got a nominee for KO of the year. And... I mean just look at the like look at the women's divisions right now in the UFC and Bellator is she actually leading the pack right now?
4: She would if she beats Erin Blanchfield, she might be my pick. Might be. But even the even then I might not go from my initial choice here, who I think is the fighter of the year through 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 this recording and uh, the first three fights that she's had. I think people got to show some love, to, And this is the answer I'd be giving uh, if I were going for uh, brownie points, if this were a competitive BTL and uh, trying to go for brownie points from from our producer, Casey. Uh, Seike Izawa. Yeah. Seike Izawa, I think, has to be considered. For, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> I was giving him time to queue it up uh she beat ayaka hamasaki last year who was considered by my main team you know the adam weight goat or one of the greatest adam weights of all time and then they did an immediate rematch she won again earlier this year unanimous decision and just has kind of dominated her past two opponents she's only 24 years old she's undefeated eight and no she is in our pound for pound rankings unfortunately you know it's i'm sure everyone's like i want to see her come over to the ufc or i want to see her come over to bellator and it's like those promotions don't have um Adam weight divisions. So I would just say, Hey, check out these rise fights because she's doing some real damage over there. So, you know, is, is the competition so, aside from y- Yaka Masaki, like has the, you know, her recent competition been as good as she could be facing, um, relative to, you know, straw weights or fly weights in, in North America. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't say that fairly, but I will say she's been super impressive again, just 24 years old, extremely dominant. And uh, yeah. And in a year where I feel like it's lacking a clear cut, um, you know, uh, a dominant women's fighter, like we said, Amanda Nunes, great performance against Pena, but just the one fight. Shevchenko, uh, very tough win over um, Tyler Santos. I don't know why that, that rematch hasn't been booked yet. Um, I'm going, I'm going with this. I'm just going with results and Azawa three, and zero. probably I imagine they might book her again for, uh, for the year end card. She could go 4-0 in 2022. And then uh, even if Molly McCann does beat Aaron Blanchfield, it might still be a Zawa in the end. But um yeah, but the Molly McCann question is really valid and was the first name that popped in my head before I did some more, you know, did some more digging.
2: Damon, where are you at with this one?
3: All right. First off, I want to know, um, would did you guys pass out the drugs before the show and you didn't tell me and didn't join? Because you guys are on something with the Molly McCann pick her opponents she beat this year, have a combined UFC record of four and six. Okay. Let's slow down on Molly McCann's quality opponent here. When you talk about two spinning, but she beat Hannah Goldie who's one and three in the UFC and like the one fight, I'm still shocked. She won. Okay. Four and six records. So let's slow down on the Molly McCann. the, the, The level of competition matters when you talk about knockouts, both spectacular four and six opponents. Okay. Let's slow down there. Uh, Listen, it's not an easy answer because the the champions have not been as active. Amanda Nunes has one fight. Valentina Shevchenko has one fight. For me right now, it's Amanda Nunes because of the way she came back and beat Juliana Pena from just from pillar to post in that fight. I mean, it was a lopsided fight. Basically should have been a finish. Juliana Pena was just so tough. She stuck around for all five rounds. But for Amanda Nunes to lose the way she did the first time and then come back and just wreck Juliana Pena for five rounds to reclaim her title. That to me puts her at number one. I'm not super confident in that pick, only because, again, it's only one fight. Um, I think, you know, Kayla Harrison has an argument. I know you say level of competition, but if she goes out and beats Larissa Pacheco's look like a killer this year, you could put her in that conversation a little bit. Uh, but I think the one fighter that I know a lot of people are going to completely disagree with me on this, and I know I'm going to get hate for this one. If Carla Sparza goes out and beats Zhang Wei Li in November, I think she's the fighter in Women's Fight of the Year because I don't care how ugly the fight was with Rose Nami Yunus, The fact that she got the title back like seven years later and actually went out there and became a champion again, which is so rare for a fighter to go that long and then come back and become a champion. And then she's going to go into the fight against Zhang Weili as a massive underdog. No one is picking Carlos Spars to win that fight. If she can go out there and be Zhang Weili, I think Carlos Sparz is going to be my pick for the top fighter. You know, will she beat Shane Whaley? That's a whole other question, but if she does, I think Carlos Pars is the answer. Interesting
2: choice. Uh, That's not a bad one. Molly is in the mix right now. I don't care who she fought, just the way she's went out there and and did her job. And she's gotten over probably more than any other women's fighter on the roster right now, for being honest. But I don't think she's going to win this. Even if she beats Aaron Blanchfield, I don't think it's going to happen because, Damon. I think you're right. I think whoever wins that fight probably is the front runner. Even if Zhang Wei Li wins the title, I think she's probably the front runner to be the fighter of the year because she knocked out and retired Ioane and Jacek and then wins the title in the same year. I think that puts her in a really good spot. I know this name might not be the most popular when it comes to this, but. I think Caitlin Chukagian is currently in the conversation right now with two wins. If she beats Manon Fioro at UFC 280, she's had a pretty decent strength of schedule. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting right now because we have to wait for some of these fights to happen. But I feel like Zhang Wei Li has the best chance to win this award at the moment. AK, what do you think? What, what's your future projections telling you?
4: Uh, first off, I do want to shout out uh, Jillian De who's had a nice, nice little, nice little. Uh, not obviously not not the women's fighter the year but nice little tidy 2022 comes back to invicta she's a, she's kind of a home <clears throat> excuse me she's kind of a homegrown invicta product has fought for Invicta and cage fury and so came back to uh, invicta this year a little bit of some after some time off first round finish lindsey van Zandt, first round finish of uh, jessica delboni who's a really good fighter um and she's invicta adam Wade champ so nice little story there um so good for her uh, i will say i agree with the kagan thing i mean i know people it sounds shocking if she beats Menel Ferol that she would be the fighter of the year, uh, women's fighter of the year. But she's she's been really successful this year, as she always is every year. Outside of you know winning sort of the big the big ones, uh, and then I'll just roll honor, mention as well for Emily Ducote. Emily Ducote, if she wins, if she beats uh, Angela Hill, uh, that's pretty big. I think uh, Ducote. I don't know if she's in our rankings or or is a far if she's received votes, uh, but that'll be three and zero. Beats Jessica Penne, another veteran. Again, she defended her Invictus strawweight title earlier this year before making the jump to the UFC. And then obviously getting uh, so any kind of win over Angela Hill would be huge. So don't sleep on that. It, we'll see. I, I, it's, I find it hard for anyone to get a convincing win over Angela Hill. So if she did pull that off, then that, that's a huge feather in her cap. But um, she's in the running. So yeah, definitely. Definitely. I me to Cody.
2: She's number 14 in our rankings right now. Angela, right, number yeah. 13. The stakes, the stakes could not be higher. <laughs> the
3: 13th is... 150 also, I think I think I think Aaron Blanchfield is going to end the Molly McCann uh, conversation in November. No offense to Molly McCann, I think Aaron Blanchfield is a huge step up in competition, in my opinion.
4: And I think Molly McCann yeah. is a huge step up in competition for Aaron Blanchfield.
3: I mean, you're not wrong, but I, Hannah Goldie to to Aaron Blanchfield—that sure. seems like a pretty big jump to me. So,
4: listen, I, I I I'm way on the Aaron Blanchfield hype train, but I just keep telling people she's super young and. I don't know i i I agree i think she's a future champion someday but like i i'm always i'm always you know kind of uh tentative with predicting huge things for these prospects unless your name is bo nickel but um but yeah she's super young and i just need to see a little more but yeah i mean she's great i i I, let me put this way neither outcome would surprise me i would tell people if molly mccann beat her i wouldn't be super surprised and of of course if blanchfield wins i definitely would not be surprised
2: (laughs) so that's going to be fun for the last couple of months of the year much like the male fighter of the year category because a lot can happen between now and the end of the year but Damon it's pretty clear at least to me and maybe I'm wrong about this Alexander Volkanovsky is the front runner right now is he not
3: uh he actually is my number 2 really um, who's he is my God. number 2 uh listen my immediate pick was Alexander Volkanovsky. You go out there and decimate the Korean zombie and then you beat Max Holloway the way he did. So in, I mean, that was unbelievable. That was one of the most unbelievable performances I've ever witnessed to beat Max Holloway. The way he did was unbelievable, but I wasn't shocked that he won. I was shocked at how he won, but I wasn't shocked that he won. Alexander Volkanovsky has been one of the best guys in the world. Leon Edwards knocking out kamaru usman after he was down three rounds to one looked like he was on his way to a decision loss and the, probably the only title shot he would have his entire career to then rocket that head kick up and knock out the number one pound for pound fighter in the world in my opinion again volkanovsky was number one in our rankings my opinion Usman was still number one to go out there and do that the way he did and i know it's one fight it's not you know multiple fights in a year But we have a lot of one fights this year. We have a lot of champions who only fought one time this year, you know, so it's a little harder, kind of like the women's division with, you know, Amanda Nunes and Shevchenko and things like that. Leon Edwards going out and doing what he did in a fight that no one was picking him to win. Come on, let's be honest. No one was picking him to win. Everyone was looking at Usman and Chimaev. Everyone was looking at Usman and Chimaev was going to be the big fight in 2023. That was the fight we were going to get for Leon Edwards to go out there and shock the world and knock out kamar usman in that fifth round so definitively and and again i think that would have been it if he didn't win that fight i don't think he'd ever get another title shot again i really don't i really don't think he'd ever get back there again because there wasn't a lot of people banging the drum for him to get that title shot for him to go out and do what he did to the number one pound for pound fighter in the world knock him out the first guy to ever do that's kamar usman it's leon edwards i put him number one i think he's my choice for fighter of the year Listen, Volkanovsky's incredible. You're never going to find a guy who's going to. Dis- I'm going to disagree with putting Volkanovski number one. The two fights he had this year, but again, neither fight surprised me. I thought he was a. I thought he. I thought what he did to Korean Zombie was exactly what I expected him to do. The Korean Zombie. I didn't expect him to walk through Max Holloway in the rematch or in the trilogy, but I wasn't shocked he won. I was shocked Leon Edwards did what he did to Kamaru Usman. A
2: AKA- K. Where are you at on this? Because to me, anybody who jumps Kamaru Usman in the number one pound-for-pound pound conversation, even before Usman lost to Leon Edwards, to me, just the two performances, and I'm not taking it, Leon's going to be on my top five list. There's no doubt about it. But to me, it's got to be Volkanovski. He just, he, per, he had two perfect games this year. He beat the hell out of Korean Zombie. And it it's like... It was like torturous to watch. I was just waiting for this fight to end. I felt bad for the Korean zombie. And then he puts on a legit masterclass against Max Holloway, a guy a lot of people thought was going to win that fight when I was in Vegas. It was crazy. So is it Volk right now? Do you, I mean, obviously Leon, I ain't going to argue with you if you pick him because of the win and, and the stature of it. But right now, year of our Lord 2022, October 6th, who is number one for you?
4: It's Volk. He uh, he climbed to the top of the MMA fighting pound-for-pound pound rankings, the most illustrious list that a fighter can be can can top. So that's huge, and I don't think it can be understated, or overstated. Me, I don't think it can be overstated how important it was for him to beat Max Holloway again and to do it the way he did. Because I don't know if, if uh, we're, we're already starting to revise the history. But like for the last two years since that second fight, a very close competitive fight, he is still somehow, even as he defended the head against Ortega in another classic, somehow Volkanovski had still been under the shadow of Holloway. And it was so unfair. I thought it was so – people were saying the first fight was close, which it wasn't. I mean it was uneventful. But it was – first fight – People, anyone go back and watch it, a clear win for Volkanovski. Not like he, like, dominated and, like, beat the crap out of Max, but if you're going about how fights are scored, I mean, I don't see how you could f- score the fight for Holloway. So people just kind of forget that fight, and because the second fight was so close, there's a lot of people going like, oh, both fights were close. No, the second fight was super close. I still scored that one for Volkanovski. So in my mind, as much as I was, like, open to seeing them fight a third time, I'm glad it took as long as it did. I'm glad it took two years. The only downside to that was everyone who was still on the max train was not going to be satisfied until they saw that third fight, no matter what happened. Cause for me, again, I already thought Volkanovsky was clearly the better featherweight. The win over Ortega only like reinforced that. So, and if you're Volkanovsky, I'm sure in your mind, you know, you're, there was no doubts, but now there's, there shouldn't be, there's no doubts in anyone's mind. So it was a big, big, big statement win. It wasn't just, Oh, going up three and zero against the same guy. It was like, this was the one, this was like the one that really mattered to people. Um, that shouldn't have been the case, but that is how it was. Again, people, if anyone thinks I'm crazy, again, just go back and read and watch some of our people on the MMA fighting staff who are still, you know, pushing that Holloway train and saying that Holloway is, you know, is going to beat is going to Volkanovski or that Holloway was still the number one. They still, still think he was number one after their second fight. This was a real thing. Um, so because he, he's number one pound for pound for us now, because he closed the door on the Max Holloway fight, because he is on his way, and I can say this because Jed's not here. He is on his way to becoming, with many, many more title defenses, the consensus number one featherweight of all time. I think he's got to be the best, the male fighter of uh, 2022.
2: So no matter if you have Volkanovski in that spot, if you have Leon Edwards in that spot, we still have a lot of ways to go here. There's a lot of big fights, and and I'll start with you, Damon, because Leon's not fighting the rest of the year. Volkanovski's probably not fighting the rest of the year unless something absolutely insane happens. Maybe he does, but not looking likely. We have Aljo fighting TJ Dillashaw at UFC 280. If he wins, that's two successful title defenses for him. We have Olivera versus Makachev. Both will have two wins. And I actually think there's one other fight that actually could decide this altogether. So how do you think this all ends up What's the biggest fights in play for you right now in order to determine who can and will win this award?
3: I think Aljamain Sterling deserves more credit than he's getting. If he goes out and beats TJ Dillashaw, that's such a huge win after he beat Peter Yan and kind of vanquished those demons from the first fight. So I think he deserves a lot of credit and I'm actually picking him to beat TJ Dillashaw. So I think he'll be in that conversation. Um, Charles Oliveira, once again, in that conversation, beating Justin Gaethje, if he goes out and beats Islam Makhachev, huge win, although as much as I like Makhachev, and I think Makhachev's a monster, and I wouldn't be shocked if he wins that fight, Makhachev still hasn't to put together the resume to really, you know, truly deserve the, the 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 ranking necessarily he's getting right now. He hasn't had those big marquee wins yet, but still a very quality win. But I think the answer is Alex Paheya. If he goes out and beats Israel Adesanya in like his fourth UFC fight, and, and that's after knocking out Sean Strickland in like, you know, a minute and a half or whatever it was. I think that's the guy. Alex, Alex, you know, is a kickboxer who has like six, who has six, like six martial arts fights, seven, whatever it is, very low number. If he can go out and beat Israel Adesanya, now we all know that's a favorable matchup. It's not him going out there and fighting a Bo Nickel wrestler, let's say, or or even a Hamza Chemaev wrestler. Okay, sure. But if he can go out there and beat I, go out there and beat Israel and beat him emphatically like he did in their rematch and kickboxing, knock him out, beat him like that. I think Alex Pereira is probably the answer. I mean, I think that is 100% the guy and, and listen, I love Al Jermaine. I think he deserves to be in that conversation, especially if he beats TJ Dillashaw. But if Alex goes out there and beats, Adesanya. That's two big wins. That's a knockout over Strickland. That's a win over Adesanya. And listen, Adesanya, say what you will about him. He's on one of the best winning streaks in terms of title defenses, in terms of champions in the UFC. I think that's the guy. I think he's the guy who could kind of upset the apple cart with a win in November.
2: Yeah, that, and and to me, I think that fight could actually decide this award altogether. What, what do you think, AK? I mean, I think if Pereira wins, it's pretty much a lock for him. But if Izzy wins... That's three title defenses for him. And I know the Vegas faithful were not pleased with his performance against Jared Cannonier, but he beat Robert Whitaker. And after watching what Robert Whitaker did to Marvin Vittori, that win aged beautifully, did it not? I feel like this fight could decide this award.
4: Uh yeah, that was that was my sort of looking ahead. Who could steal this? I think no matter what happens in some of the other fights, even if, and I'm a huge Charles Oliveira guy, even if Charles Oliveira, not if I'm sorry, even when Charles Oliveira submits Makachev, um, I still think Pereira fighting his way back to a, a third Izzy fight in MMA. And winning the title would be so amazing. I don't know if I feel strongly the other way that, like, if, if, if uh, Adesanya wins, that then you know he should get the spot. Um, I think it would matter how he did it. Certainly, a highlight real knockout would go a long way towards uh, you know washing out the the bitter taste of some of the his previous title defenses, which were, which again I think were fine. But from an entertainment standpoint, yes, your your average viewer was not thrilled. Um, so it's hard to call someone the fighter of the year even if he wins, like in a year where he's taken so much like. Uh, lambasting from the public, um, deserved or not, so that that would be a weird th- a weird title to give him. So if Izzy kind of pulls off another methodical win, I probably would still lean towards Um I just think that that the 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 win over Zombie so dominant, the second win over uh, sorry the third win over Max Holloway, um, again again dominant in a different way. Uh, so I, I don't mind it. I don't mind a case for Izzy. I can see a lot of people saying it goes three, you know, three tile defenses against top competition, Robert Whitaker, um, an old kickboxing rival, and also Jared Kenny are thrown in there, even though people aren't really talking about that one for good reasons. But for me, it's, it is a two fighter race right now. It's Volkanovsky leading the way. And if Alex Pereira can beat uh, Israel Adesanya again, boy, uh, he'd be a fun pick for fighter of the year, wouldn't he?
2: I have to, Damon mentioned a name. So I have to, I have to go back to this one. We're going to play a little hypothetical game, and I'll start with you, Damon. Let's just say, because this has been such a crazy year, let's just say that this individual gets back into the octagon at some point, whether it be at welterweight or at middleweight. Let's just say the UFC finds a way to book Hamzat Shemaev versus Colby Covington. And what if Hamzat Shemaev goes out there and does to Colby Covington what he did to Kevin Holland? Is Hamza Shamayev in this conversation, Damon? I don't think he's in there now, but does the weight miss take him out of the running altogether if he gets a third win this year, or is he in the mix?
3: No, I think the, the weight miss and 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 the level of competition in that fight do. I like Kevin Holland very much. Kevin Holland was training to fight Daniel Rodriguez, a boxer. He hadn't trained wrestling a day in his camp, I'm sure. And listen, it's a good win, but you got it because you screwed up being in the main event and you missed weight by seven and a half pounds. The Gilbert Burns fight incredibly impressive, and if he can go out and beat if he goes out and beats Colby Covington, which by the way I don't think that's a sure thing. Colby Covington, listen, I'm not a fan of the dude, you know, in terms of what he says, but you can't doubt that he's a really really good fighter. Uh, I don't think that Hamza Chimaev just washes Colby Covington, um, but yeah, I mean if he wins if he gets Colby Covington and wins, great, it's a big win, and and he's definitely deserves a lot of credit, especially for beating him and Gilbert Burns in the same year. But I don't even really, in a weird way, I, I don't I don't discount the Kevin Holland fight, but I I don't really put it that high on my mark as far as what it does for him because he got it because he screwed up making weight for a main event and he got a guy who hadn't trained a single day in his entire training camp for a guy like My Nate Diaz said after his win over Tony Ferguson, all I did was train grappling. I did nothing but train grappling for this guy. Kevin Holland didn't do any of that. So yeah, it's a win, but I mean, come on. Is it really that like, is it really that impressive that he missed weight that badly? I just, I can't do it. I think that's, I think that hurts him more than it helps him in a weird way. Like beating Kevin Holland doesn't help Hamza Chamaev's case. At my point, if he had just bought, if he had just beat Gilbert Burns and then if he came back and beat Colby Covington, I'd probably be more likely to say maybe he is fighter of the year, but you just beat those, you beat those two guys that you throw in the weight miss the Kevin Holland fight doesn't really do much for me.
4: Yeah, I, optics is such a big part of this award. Like like can you be the fighter of the year in a year where what people talked about most was you missing weight by 7.5 pounds and you know and putting an entire pay-per-view card in jeopardy. Like, can you be the fighter of the year then? Can you be the fighter of the year if, again, with Adesanya, where, like, yes, you were winning, but what people most talked about was, wow, I don't want to watch this guy's main events anymore. Like, can you be the fighter of the year in that year? Charles Oliveira, can you be the fighter of the year in a year where you lost the title on the scale? I don't know. So, you know, when when there's this many good fighters, you're kind of, like, nitpicking. So those are obviously the little nits that I'm throwing out there. That's why I think Alex Pereira has, like, the clearest path, barring something weird happening before the fight or in the fight with Izzy. Um if he, if he, uh, and same with Volkanovski, it's like you know mostly free of controversy. We're just talking about how great his performances were, nothing else, no other weirdness. Um, so that's why it's him, 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 and uh, and Poetan. But uh, it, it again, uh, Adesanya and and um, Charles Oliveira and Shamaia great fighters. Again, Shamaia maybe fights again before the end of the year could cement that. But because of the sort of this, these other extra, these other things that are part of their story that we cannot separate from their 2022 campaigns. They're just a little, a notch below, I think Volk and and, and Pereira, if Pereira beats uh, Adesanya.
2: Well, we will see what happens. I think we've done a good job sort of laying the land for these awards. And I think we're setting ourselves up for a fun couple of months to wrap up the year. Of course, no UFC, no big time MMA this weekend, but we're off and running next weekend. Decent card next weekend, and then it's on to UFC 280, and that card is just ridiculous. And then Cater versus Allen, Evloya versus Mitchell, and then on to UFC 281, and on and on we go. And I have a feeling that we could be having a whole new discussion come December when we do the actual award show when this is all said and done. So, AK, any final thoughts, any final words, anything you missed? The the floor is yours.
4: I feel like like we... We covered everything. There's always the thought that we missed something. I've been watching the uh, the brilliant YouTube comments closely, of course. Uh, and I think we covered all the bases. Of course, guys, if there's any weird sort of moment or huge moment that we somehow didn't discuss, you know, throw it in there. Throw it in the, in the comments when this goes up on MMAfighting.com. Um, But yeah, but what a great year. I think it has been action-wise. Again, we've had a lot of storylines and things that we haven't really wanted to discuss uh you mentioned like we don't want to talk about mark zuckerberg anymore blah 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 and who knows um what other um kookiness we've had to deal with but the in cage action has consistently delivered there's been great upsets new champions uh people who are already champions taking it to another level so it's been a lot of fun so far this year and i do like that uh yeah we still have some fun to come i mean uriah hall's boxing. What's going on? What's this is. Combat sports is wild, man. Combat sports is wild. So I'm looking forward to the next three months. Party Damon.
2: Any final thoughts?
3: Uh fighter of the year. Let's not forget Anderson Silva. If he goes out and beats Jake Paul. No, I'm kind of <laughs> joking, but not really. Uh, the other one I want to throw out. Also another fight of the year candidate. I want to throw out Yuri Perhoshka. If he actually comes back and beats Glover again in December, that's another one I want to mention, but I want to throw this out there because I didn't pick him for rookie of the year. And I kind of feel bad about that, only because again the UFC kind of screwed him out of a second UFC fight this year, being Bo Nickel. You will not find a bigger Bo Nickel guy than myself, because I'm kind of the wrestling dude. Right now, if if they put Bo Nickel, something weird happens. Alex Pereira gets injured, and they say, you know what, Bo Nickel, you're getting a title shot against Israel Adesanya on November 11th. Oh Bo Nickel God. beats Israel. Bo Nickel beats Israel Adesanya wow. right now. <laughs> right now, he said it. Bo Nickel he said it. beats Israel Adesanya. I think Chimaya is a tougher fight because Shemayev actually has the wrestling. The producer did not like Bo that. Nickel, Bo Nickel beats Israel Adesanya right now. He out-wrestles him. I, I'm, right now, I pick him to beat him. I pick him to beat him.
2: Another name we... we and, and I don't know if he's going to end up fighting or not this year, but another name that I feel might be a farve in this situation, because if he gets another fight this year, it's going to be a big one. I feel like Marlon Cruz... Not uh, Mar, Mar, Marlon Cruz. Marlon Vera... Could get a a vote or two, but it just depends on what matchup he might be able to get because he's had a frigging great year, too. So uh, beating Rob Font decisively. Cheeto
3: Sanhagen. Cheeto Sanhagen. Cheeto Sanhagen. Give me that. Uh, Give me that sometime before the end
2: of the year. And if Marlon wins, he might get a vote or two as well. So a lot to unpack. We'll see how the rest of the year goes, but we are out of here. Casey, you can hit the music. Back to normal BTL programming next week. Jed's retired, so I don't know what the hell we're going to do. So he's making my job very difficult. But for AK, for Damon Martin, Casey, thank you for your work on The Ones and Twos. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn takes you home. We'll see you back here next week on BTL. I am Mike Heck. Good night, everybody.
1: This is Jed Mishu. I'm a big quitter. I can't handle between the links. AK, happy birthday.